Welcome all of you here this morning. My name is Greg. My wife Amber and I are the lead pastors here. I also want to welcome those that are with us online. We are so glad that you are here and a part of things uh, this morning. Before I jump into the message today, we just got to take a second to celebrate some things that God has been doing around here lately, okay? Um, Around here, we like to say, man, it's exciting to see what God does in us, but I also get equally excited to see what God does through us as a church. And so we talk about uh, giving around here. There's a few different ways that people give financially around here. Uh, we have our general tithes and offerings, um, which is, you know, our tithes, the first 10% that people give and all those kind of things. But there's an, an above and beyond way that we give around here called Kingdom Builders. A lot of you have participated in that. We say that's for those who are already taking the step of tithing. And Kingdom Builders is people who say, listen, we don't want to just stop there. We want to give more. How can we invest and pour resources into what God's doing all around the world? And over the last two or three months, because of the generosity of this body, what God has done through you, I want to just tell you some of the things that we have been able to do as a church. First off, about two and a half months ago, we were able to uh, write a check for $3,500 to Hope Academy. If you ever heard of Hope Academy, Hope Academy is in South Minneapolis. Uh, it's a ministry, it's a school, it's a private Christian school, but how many know usually you got to have a lot of money to go to a private Christian school? Well, this is in an inner city area where the schools are a bit challenged, and the whole purpose is they are looking to raise up Christian leaders inside of that community. And so most of the, the scholarships and stuff that happen come by people giving and allowing these people to come in and receive amazing education, but to be developed and disciples as followers of, cre- of Jesus. And uh, we've got people in our congregation that already partner with Hope Academy, but we were able to sponsor the entire kindergarten class for an entire week with that check. And so, so if you want to learn more about Hope Academy, uh, you can go just Google that, search about that. It's an amazing ministry to partner with. So that's one thing we did. We also have a missionary serving in Laos. Laos is a Buddhist nation, one of the least uh, Christian populations in, in the entire world. And they have a ministry of this Change the Map campaign that they're working on where they, re- they needed Bibles and materials and resources as they're looking to make a difference in the nation of Laos. And so through Kingdom Builders, uh, just two months ago, we were able to cut a $10,000 check to help their ministry and support what God is already doing through them. We support them monthly, but now able to add fuel to the fire of what God's doing them because of that uh, generosity. We also have missionaries, the Abrahamsons. Abrahamsons are serving in the Middle East through an organization called Live Dead. Anybody ever heard of the organization Live Dead? A couple, couple of you have. Live Dead is, is an organization where they are sending missionaries to the hardest places in the entire world. The kind of places where like your life is literally on the line. And they have a ministry center in the Middle East where they train missionaries and then they send them out all over the Middle East to reach people for Jesus, okay? That ministry center is in a place that gets really, really cold sometimes and really, really hot. And the problem is their air conditioner and their heater went out. And so we were able to, through Kingdom Builders, write a $4,000 check just a couple months ago to replace all of their heating so that we can help them as they are training and resourcing missionaries that are going all around the world. And so your, builder, your dollars were able to make that difference. And then also, just if that wasn't enough, this last week at our board meeting, we were able to say, you know what, we're going to engage in something. And so that we had a missionary in May talk about planting churches in Moldova, in the nation of Moldova. It's kind of a post-Christian country. And they are planting churches and it costs $10,000. And we as a board, we said, hey, with God's faithfulness, we're going to invest $10,000 and plant a church all by ourselves in the nation of Moldova through our missionaries that are serving there. And so that's what your giving has been doing over the last several months. Uh, But I also want to celebrate, yeah, you can give up for that. That's awesome. But if that's not enough, you know this, that the way that we support, we have missionaries that we support on a monthly basis. The way that we do that is that we tithe 
on our general fund. Whatever comes in the general fund through tithe, we take a 10% of that and we give that. The first 10%, we give it and we support missionaries and missions organizations around the world. And so uh, because of the, the blessing of God on this place, how we have grown both numerically but also grown financially, it's allowed us to say, all right, that means we get to give more. It's super fun for us. Every time we have board meetings, it's like, all right, we get to give more money and invest more. And so we've increased our monthly support by $800 over the last two months. But in addition to that, we've set up that most likely next, next month, we're going to be adding another $500 a month that we'll be su supporting, which means like 10 more missionaries that we get to support on a monthly basis around here. And so that's what we get to do. And so why do I share this with you? I shared this with the staff on Tuesday morning. What does scripture teach? We are blessed to what? Be a blessing. God doesn't give us stuff so that we just get to sit back like, oh, I love this, right? Everything's so great and I just like, I'm just gonna hold. No, we are blessed so that we can make a difference. So we give back. We say, God, take it, use it for your glory. That's why we're here. We're not about us. We are about his kingdom, amen? All right, and so it's just so exciting to see what God is doing through us. And so thank you for your faithful giving. It is making a difference around the world, okay? Sorry, I get a little jacked up about that. I'm gonna calm down. All right, well, this morning we are going to continue in the series that we have been in uh, for this past summer as we are going through the book of Daniel, and uh, the series is Living in Babylon, and this morning we are going to get really practical with a message. I, I, I'm going to give you some things. This is one of those, I would encourage you, even if you don't normally take notes, this might be one of those messages you want to pull a note out on your phone and take some notes, because these might be things you want to come back and reference in the future, so I would encourage you to do that. But as we were praying for this message this morning in our, our prayer time, and just if you know, don't know this, every Sunday at 8 o'clock we have prayer, and I got a group of people that come, and you're invited if you'd like to ever come and join us. But there was a word that was spoken to somebody, just th this picture of, of like an elevator, desiring to take us higher in, in God into, into greater things. But it was, he, it, the picture was that it was literally God's hand lifting us higher. And I think that this morning's message, if we could get a hold of it, literally would be us. God's inviting us. Would you just step in here? Because I actually have more for you. But you got to step in. You got to engage in this thing. And I think as we do this, uh, I think God's going to do some things in our spiritual walk. All right? If you got your Bibles, turn with me to Daniel chapter 9. Daniel chapter 9, beginning in verse number 1. Uh, as you turn there, remember we're in our Bible reading plan. Uh, we're in the book of Isaiah right now, so if you want to follow along, you can do that. It's on our homepage. Uh, you can click the link on our homepage. Would you stand with me as we're going to read our, uh, just the first few verses here, verses 1 through 3 of Daniel chapter 9. It says this, In the first year of Darius, son of Xerxes, a Mede by descent, who was made ruler over the Babylonian kingdom, in the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, understood from the scriptures according to the word of the Lord given to Jeremiah the prophet, that the desolation of Jerusalem would last 70 years. So I turned to the Lord God and pleaded with him in prayer and petition, in fasting and in sackcloth and ashes. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word. And God, I pray that this prayer that we are going to look at this morning, I pray that it would be more than just some old guy's prayer from 2,500 years ago, but God, I pray that it would transform us, it would transform the way we relate to you. We pray that in the name of Jesus, everybody said, amen, amen. You may be seated. Cool. Well, uh, I mean, you know, there's just things in life that we should know 
what to do. Like there's things that we, we teach our kids, like you should just know this. There's like basic principles. Like, you know, you, you don't have to be a rocket science. You can figure these kind of things out, you know? So like, like you teach a kid, like when you go to the bathroom, you should wash your, exactly. It's very simple things in life, okay? Sometimes it's hard with kids, but, but we work on these things. And, and there's other things, like if somebody gives you a gift, you should say, Exactly. This is not difficult stuff, you know? And this, like if you're watching football, you should always root against the Packers. Packers. Exactly. That's what we're talking about. Very, very simple. Everybody should know this. It's really simple. We all say the same things, okay? But if you're, if you're a Christian, I think we'd all know this. If you're a Christian, you should pray, right? If you're a Christian, you should, like that's just obvious, like, we know that. Yeah, as Christians, we should pray. I'll tell you this, that this is going to be a little bit of a challenging message because we're going to talk about something that we all know we should do. <laughs> but if we were all honest, we all probably recognize that we probably have some growth to do in that area of our lives. We, we might say it's important, but maybe we don't always act like it's important. And so this is going to be one of those messages. You're going to have to have an open heart and say, God, okay, would you call me? I can't convince you of this stuff this morning. I'm, I'm praying that the Spirit of God would convince you just as he's been challenging me this week, okay? So why is it that we don't pray like maybe we should? I think there's a few reasons. The first reason is this. It's, it's a desire. It's a lack of desire. If you're just honest, you don't really feel like it sometimes. You ever had those moments like, I should probably pray. I'd rather watch TV right now, <laughs> you know? Like, I should pray, but I'm getting distracted. I should pray, but man, Instagram is so much more fun to look at, you know? And we get in these moments, and it's challenging, or maybe the phone's buzzing while you're doing it. You just, you get distracted. Like, there's a lack of desire there at times. But I think it's more than that. I think it can also be an issue of arrogance. Now, you wouldn't say this. You wouldn't say, like, I'm arrogant, therefore I don't pray. But our lack of prayer simply proves our arrogance, Right? It proves our lack of dependence. It proves the, the reality that we think we're, we're, we're kind of fine on our own. Like, I don't really need God. Like, I know I say I need God, but I don't really, like, day to day, like, I'm pretty fine just kind of living my life. I'm okay doing those kings. The reality is that's arrogance. Like, we think we're okay without him. There's a third thing, though, and I think this is probably the, the thing that we don't think about at all, but it can possibly be the biggest issue, and it's this. It's the enemy. Do you understand that there is an enemy of your soul? Like Satan, the devil, the adversary. And what is his desire? His desire is to keep you from God. He knows something. He knows, that he knows this dirty little secret that the king of all creation desires fellowship with his people. And there are things available to us that are only available through prayer. He knows that. So what does he try to do? Distract you. You know, every time you go to pray and it feels like, just every distraction comes. Every time you go to pray, every thought comes to your mind. You're worried about this. You got a checklist. You got your phone. You're getting texts. You're getting all these things. Why is that? The enemy doesn't want you praying. He doesn't want you seeking God. He doesn't want you persevering in those things because he knows how good it is for you. So he's keeping you away from it. Dan talked about this last week, and I love this. He said they were, they were looking at the story last week, and he said, you don't realize that the serpent is in this story. You just don't see it. And you need to understand this. The serpent is in your life. You may not see it. You don't understand that the enemy is trying to take you out at every moment of every day. If you don't realize that, you are in serious trouble. Okay, so why don't we pray? A lot of times it's the enemy. We give in to the enemy. All right, but there's a fourth reason, and it's this. Ignorance. Ignorance. We simply don't know what to do. We do you ever have those moments? Dear Jesus, 
I got nothing else, right? <laughs> like, you ever have those, you're like, I don't even know how, I know I should, like I should pray. I don't know what to say. Like, I don't even know what I'm supposed to pray about, right? Some of you are like, man, you and, then you, and then you see like really good prayer people, you know, that like can like pray for like 10 hours and you're like, I don't know how to do that. They have so many words. I don't use that many words when I pray, you know? I think it's, this is important for us to understand this ignorance issue because this is exactly what the disciples came to Jesus with, right? They came to Jesus and they said, Jesus, they didn't say teach us all these other, no, they said, Jesus, could you teach us how to pray? Like, we see you praying, we don't know how to do that. Can you, can you teach us how to pray? And so this morning is going to be a little bit of a how-to message. We're going to look at prayer, and we're going to look at, I've entitled this message, The Prayer of Daniel. And it's because we're going to look at this prayer that he prays in, in chapter 9. And it's not one of the like, yubba dub dub thanks for the grub kind of prayers. And it's not like the, now I lay me down to sleep kind of prayers. This is a, a challenging prayer. But I think it's a model, and there's some principles we're going to see in this, that I think could transform your prayer life. And ultimately then, transform your relationship and connection to God, and transform your faith in a deep level. Remember, God's calling us to a higher level in this, all right? And I believe that he wants to speak to us, okay? So before we dig into the passage, I want to give context. We always say, what's the context? context of the passage we look at. So we don't get some crazy weird ideas and make things up on our own. We say, what's the context? Why is he praying this prayer? We read it in the first three verses. Uh, you understand the story of, the, of this whole book. The people of God have been unfaithful to him. They're in Jerusalem. They're being unfaithful to God. God says, you are going to get exiled to the nation of Babylon. So the Babylon comes in, destroys him. He exiles. But through the prophet Jeremiah, it had been foretold that this exile was only going to last for 70 years. All right? 70 years. So they've been in exile for like 70 years. And now Daniel, recognizing that, realizing that, whoa, it's been like 70 years. Okay. He prays this prayer. And what we're going to see in this prayer is three things. And this is what I want you to write down. There's three things in a big so what this morning. Um, these are principles that I think guide, should be the ones that guide what our prayer life looks like. If you're writing it down, point number one is this. Pray from a posture of humility. Pray from a posture of humility. This is the starting point. This is the starting point of faith. Any of you know a King James prayer? Anybody know a King James prayer? You know what I'm talking about? The ones that pray like this. Oh, thou hast heavenly father, who dost be high and lifted up on the mountains of Zion. You know, like, it's like, like well, you need to calm down. <laughs> that is not how you talk, right? Like, there's, there's this thing inside of us, I think, at times. And you've, have you ever found yourself saying words that are like, I don't ever say that word, and I just prayed that word. That was weird, you know? I do that sometimes. I think there's a little bit inside of us that says we got to kind of impress this God. Like I got I to gotta show off my prayer stuff, you know, and then maybe God will hear me more. Like the problem is we aren't supposed to come to God to impress him. We are called to come in humility, to remember who he is and also to remember who we are. When we come to God, he's God, we're not, right? You're not coming like, look at how awesome I am, God. Look how great I am, God. But the problem is in our modern Christian world, we can kind of get a skewed view of ourselves. I'm just going to be honest with you. What do we say? Because Jesus, you know, Jesus loves us. And so we, we start thinking, man, Jesus loves me. He died. He was thinking just about me when he was on the cross. You ever heard somebody say that, right? He's only thinking about me. And, he's, and then we start to think, I must be pretty awesome, right? Jesus would die for me. I'm pretty amazing. This is awesome. And I'm awesome. And God's my helper. And he just does the things that I want. Listen, he doesn't do those things. It's not that you're so awesome. It's that he's so awesome, okay? It's not about you. It's like, you're not that amazing, okay? 
Like, you, you might think you're awesome. That's fine. That's great. Whatever. But ultimately, it is so much more than that. We, we worship him because he is good. Okay? He is almighty. He is righteous. He is holy. He is the judge. He is the, the great creator God who was and is and is to come, right? Like, he is the one who is infinite in power and infinitely good. And in Christ, what does he say? In Christ, we get the privilege of being called his children. And when we understand all of this, the only posture we can approach God with is humility. We don't come to him thinking, man, I'm so great. We come thinking, man, you are so good, God. You are good. And in humility, I recognize my place in this. Oh, are we his kids? Absolutely. But we've got to understand how this works out. You look at the passage, what does it say in Daniel chapter 9? It says, you know, this whole thing, he recognizes what's going on. And we get to verse number 3, and it says, So I turn to the Lord God. He turns to him. And this is what we're called to, but, but look at how he turns to him. Turn to the Lord and pleaded with him in prayer and petition in fasting. What is fasting? It's denying yourself food for the sake of Christ. To, sit, to know him, to say, God, I, I prioritize. It's a, it's a sign of, of just penitence, of lowering oneself and saying, God, I acknowledge you and I desire you more, right? It's this humbling posture you put yourself in. But it goes on, he says, not just fasting, but in sackcloth and ashes. This is what they would do when they said, I'm in repentance. I've done something wrong. I need to lay myself down. It's acknowledgement of who I am. I put this kind of the ugly sackcloth clothes on and the ashes on my head, and this is what I do. This is how he approaches God. Now, we look in Scripture. Daniel was a good dude. Like, he was faithful to God, yet this was still the attitude and the posture of his heart. It was a holy reverence for who God is. But then we go on in the passage, and what does it say? In verse number four, it says, he begins praying this way, and he says, Lord, the great and awesome God, who keeps his covenant of love with those who love him and keep his commandments. He comes immediately with worship and adoration, okay? See, this is how we approach. I think this is the, the best way to keep a humble spirit, is when you walk into God's presence, you don't start giving him the laundry list of all the things you're telling him to do. You walk into his presence saying, God, this is who you are. You are amazing. You are powerful. It puts us in the right perspective. It, it creates the right posture in our heart as we begin to worship. But he goes on, and what does he say? We have sinned. We have done wrong. It's repentance. It's this posture of saying, God, I recognize your power and your authority, and I recognize my brokenness apart from Christ. It's an acknowledgement of those things. This is the posture we are called to. Like I said, are we God's kids? Yes. We are kids, kids, his children in Christ. That is who we are. But we can never lose a holy fear and awe of who it is we pray to. It scares me sometimes when people make jokes like you know, the big guy in the sky. He's not the big guy in the sky, okay? It scares me when people use this phrase and I get the point, but they talk about Jesus is my homeboy. I'm like, I get what you're trying to say there. Jesus ain't your homeboy. He sticks closer than a brother, absolutely. But he ain't your homeboy. He's your savior and he's your Lord. That's who he is. And we, we get so callous to his power and his authority that we treat him too casually at times. And the posture of our heart must be one of submission, one of reverence, one of recognizing you are God and I am not. This happened to me a couple of weeks ago uh, with my son, Asher. Uh, so Asher's always fun. And he always gives me sermon illustrations, which I appreciate him because i got to preach 52 times a year and I need material all the time. <laughs> and so Asher, I forget what he said. He did something, and I told him that we should or shouldn't do something. And he's like, and his response to me was, don't worry about it, dude. 
I said, excuse me? We had what was called a teachable moment at that point. I said, Asher, listen, I love you, buddy. We're buddies, right? We, like, we hang out, we fun together, we love each other, this is great. But hear this very clearly, I am not your dude, okay? You can call me dad, call me father, whatever, you can call me daddy, I don't care, but you're not gonna call me dude. I'm not your nine-year-old buddy, okay? I'm your dad. Now, you don't understand how much I love my son, how much I care for my son, what I would do for my son, but it doesn't change the respect that is due me as his father. And this is the response we need to have to God. Does it change the reality that our God is a good God, a heavenly father who loves you and cares for you? Absolutely, that is amazing. It is beautiful. The intimacy and what God desires for us is great, but we can never lose the honor and respect for who it is we pray to. He is God, we are not, amen? So we pray from a posture of humility. Number two, though, this is critical. Pray according to God's will. Pray according to God's will. This is so critical, guys. Don't miss this. Because most of us spend the majority of our time praying according to our will. Right? Jesus, I want a new car. God, give me a new house. I need a new girlfriend or boyfriend. God, I need this. I want a Chipotle burrito. God, I want stuff, things. You know, like we just pray the things that we want. Right? That's what we oftentimes do. And hear this. God says to present your request to him. That's a good thing. I'm not saying that's a bad thing. Okay, but ask yourself this. How often do you pray according to God's will as opposed to just yours? Like when's the last time you prayed what God's desire for you rather than your desire for you? What does that look like? See, Daniel, what you have to understand in this passage, he didn't just come up with like some idea. God, I'm going to pray because if you read the prayer, he's praying that God, you would, you would do what you said you would do. He's not making this prayer up like, oh God, I think you should set us free. We don't want to be in exile, set us free. No, he's saying, listen God, you said through the prophet Jeremiah, this thing would last 70 years. And it's been 70 years, and God, I am praying into that. You said this was your will, this is your purpose, and I'm praying into that. Okay? See, that's what we need to to grow in, this growing in an understanding of what is God's will and how do we pray into those things. We spend a lot of time desiring to know God's will for our lives, and yet we spend very little or no time praying into the things he already said was the will for your life. Right? Like, God, what do you want? Like, what do you want me to do? Who should I date? Who should I be with? What job should I have? Should I take this? Whatever. You're praying about those things. You never pray, God, you've already spoken your will for my life. And it is, it's far less about what I'm going to do and far more about who I am becoming in Christ. That's his desire for you. Are you being shaped and conformed to the image of a son? And are you joining his heart's desire and praying those things into your life? That's what we're called to. Some of you may need to write this down. You're like, okay, how do I pray according to God's will? The key to praying God's will is to know God's word. The reason you don't know how to pray God's will is you you never crack that book open. You don't even know what he wants for your life. You're not not reading his word. You're not saying, God, what do you desire for me? How do you want to shape me? And so as we dig into God's word, it is so critical. I think what we oftentimes can do is this, is we separate Bible reading from prayer. Like they're two separate things, okay? But I believe that Bible reading and prayer are two sides of the same coin. Hear me. What's the purpose of reading a Bible? Well, it's 
It's to grow in your knowledge of who God is, to grow in your intimacy with God, to, to know who he is, to know what he desires for your life. Okay, what's the purpose of prayer? To grow in your intimacy with God, to, to, to know him more, to grow. Like, like this, this is the whole, whole point. And so often we have like, I got my Bible time, check. Okay, now I'm gonna come over here and I'm gonna do my prayer time, check. And I'm saying, no, I don't think that's what God's desire for us is. I think there, there needs to be a, a, a merging of these two, a, a knitting together of these two things. And I want to kind of help you understand this. And this might be the most practical thing for some of you to take away this morning. Because you would say, man, I want to pray, but I don't really know how to do this. Here's some really practical things of praying God's will. How do we do this? Number one, pray what you read. So rather than having your, like I got my Bible time and then I got my prayer time, when you have your Bible time, you don't wait till you're done reading to start praying, Okay? Before you start reading, you say, God, I want to hear from you. Speak to me. And as you're praying, as you're reading, you read like, oh, God's desire is for me to be holy. Stop. God, would you make me holy? Would you transform me right now? And you get a moment that talks about the greatness and the power of God, and you stop. You say, God, you are powerful, and you are holy and righteous, and you are good. Right? And it talks about the love of God, and you say, God, give me revelation that I would know your love more, that you allow these two to become one. And, and the purpose, the purpose of reading the Bible and praying is not to check boxes. It's to know him more. And suddenly it'll change your understanding of quiet time. It isn't two things I'm going to do. It's a time with God, knowing him more, hearing his voice through his word, okay? And then praying into those things. Second thing, not just pray what you read, pray scripture prayers. The Bible is filled with scriptures that are prayers themselves, right? All these prayers all over the place. And there's times, I don't know about you, but there's times in my life where I'm like, I don't know what to pray. I don't, I'm at the end, whatever. Sometimes I'll just crack a book open. Like Jesus had a couple good prayers, <laughs> right? I'm going to pray those ones. You know, Paul wrote some amazing prayers, right? I could read some of them and pray through those. Make those prayers your prayers. It doesn't make you less spiritual, okay? It actually will probably make you more spiritual <laughs> to pray God's word. Yeah, that's how that works. Okay. Sorry. Okay, so pray what you read. Pray scripture prayers. And this is the last one is pray the Psalms. What is the book of Psalms? The book of Psalms is basically a prayer and worship book. <laughs> There's 150 Psalms, and they're all there to help you. It was meant to help acquire all these things together so that you could gather together and worship and pray. And so what I do sometimes, honestly, I, I did it this morning, and so I'll pull up the, the, where I was at this morning. I will open the book of Psalms in my private time. I do that. We do that as a staff sometimes. We do that in our times in the mornings, and we just begin to read a psalm and pray into those things. And so I open up here, Psalm 25. In you, Lord, my God, I put my trust. Stop. Pray that for a little while. God, help me to trust you because I don't really right now, right? Or I go to Psalm 27. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? God, I, I honest, if I'm honest, right, God, I'm fearing some things. And Lord, help me to look to you, to give my eyes on you. It guides my prayer. I go to the next one. It says, to you, Lord, I call. You are my rock. Do not turn a deaf ear to me. And I can pray into that, Right? This gives you opportunity to pray the word of God. It's not just for you to come up with all the amazing ideas. It's saying, God, I want to pray according to your will and your purposes that I would be transformed, right? It's not just doing my thing. God, could I join your thing? All right? All right. Second thing, we pray according to God's will. Point number three is this. Pray for God's glory. Pray for God. Twice, Daniel writes this, for your sake, Lord. For your sake, Lord, for your glory, Lord, would you do this? What's the sign of a mature believer? What's the sign of someone who has submitted all they have to Christ? It's this. 
to pray for God's glory. Immaturity is seen in self-centeredness. Think about it. If we had a baby in the room, and the baby had a dirty diaper, or the baby was hungry, how many of you know we would all hear about it? Right? You know, we would all hear about it. Didn't matter that I'm up here preaching. Doesn't matter that you guys are all being good out there, right? No, we would hear about it because that's all they care about. They haven't matured beyond that. They only know to care about themselves. And toddlers, they're not much better. They're kind of do the same thing. And then you get to elementary school and there's moments where there's maturity and moments when there's absolute immaturity. And then there's teenage years and guys, we struggle. We love you so much and we don't always know how to deal with you. Sorry, okay? But like, but then, and then, and then there's moments and like, there's moments as adults where like maybe we start to act mature and other times where we don't like, but the goal in life is to be mature to the point where like we don't think it's all about us all the time, right? That's the goal. And in our faith, you know what maturity in your faith is? Is when you realize what we said a couple weeks ago, it's not about you, it's about him, right? So that's maturity in faith. And if that maturity is going to work its way out, I think we'll see it in our prayers, you can say, oh, yeah, my life is all about Jesus. Well, look at what you pray about, and then I'll tell you whether that's true or not. Because if your prayers are all about you and what you want, then I'll say, no, nah, no, you're still pretty interested in yourself. But are your prayers saying, God, God, here's the things I desire, but at the end of the day, God, my desire is that you would be glorified. Amen. I talked about this Wednesday night. If you missed a worship night, man, you missed a powerful night together. And I talked about uh, this idea of refining. And we pray this prayer, God, refine me a lot of times. You know, refine me, God, make me new, make me clean. I want to be fresh, you know, whatever. And the idea of refining gold, you know what it takes to refine gold and silver? A lot of heat. It takes hard. And so what they do is they heat that thing up, they heat that thing up. And there is a refining that can only happen in the gold and the silver when the heat is there. And here's what can happen, though, is that we get into seasons where we've been praying, God, would you refine us? Would you do something in us? And then he takes us into a hard season. Not because he's trying to punish us, because he's refining us through the challenges. And yet we get into the hard seasons, and then what do we end up doing? God, take me out! Take me out! Right? And I'm not saying it's wrong to ask God to, to save you, to heal you, to do those kind of things. But at the end of the day, what if he was bringing you in for a reason? See, the prayer we need to pray in the pit is saying, God... I don't like this. It's okay to tell him. Read the book of Psalms. David told him a lot, okay? God, I don't like this. I don't like this. But God, be glorified. If you can receive the greatest glory through my pain and affliction, then God, I submit to that. Not because I want it, but because I want you to be honored, God. See, that's the prayer of a mature believer, of someone who is truly following Christ. I've watched this in the pain of sickness. You know, I've had the privilege as a pastor to talk to lots of people who are in a hospital or somebody who's struggling. And I've seen two different pictures. I've seen people who are followers of Christ who go through severe pain and they've got physical affliction in some way. And I've watched them and I've seen them get bitter and angry. God, I can't believe you didn't heal me. I can't believe you didn't do this. And to be honest, it just breaks my heart to see that. And people that I would have seen as fairly mature believers and to watch them turn so inward in that moment. But at the same time, I have watched people of faith come into moments where they don't like the sickness, they're praying for healing, and yet have a moment to say, God, be glorified. Even if it means I'm not healed, even if it means this challenge or this trial that I'm going through is not resolved, God, I pray that you would be glorified. So we, sing, we, we might sing it again later on, that song, God, on the altar of my life, God, would you be glorified? 
even when it's hard, when it doesn't go well. Listen, I've watched people go through that, like just emaciated bodies. I remember a friend of mine that I went visiting him in the hospital, him just saying, Christ be magnified. I pray that he's glorified in my life. That's what I want to be. That's what a follower of Christ looks like. And some of you are like, I don't, mm, that doesn't sound fun. Yeah, you know, following Jesus isn't always the most fun thing to do. But it is the best thing to do. And his goodness, his Zoe life is only abound in submission to him, to his purposes, to his will. Right? Our desire is to look like Christ. What did Christ pray? In John chapter 12, he's talking to his disciples the fact that I'm gonna go to the cross. I'm gonna go to the cross, right? It's not gonna be fun. I'm not looking forward to this. But he says this in John chapter 12. He says, now my soul is troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour? Like, God, I don't want this. Will you save me? He says, no, it was for this very reason I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name. And I want that to be your prayer, and I want it to be mine. It isn't easy to pray. Trust me, when you're in the pit, you're saying, God, get here and fix this. Trust me, that's what you want to pray. And it's okay to pray that. But my heart's desire is, God, even if you don't do that, God, would you be glorified in my life, in the bed of my affliction, in the challenges I face, no matter what I go? Here's the good news, is he can be glorified even through the garbage, even through the tough stuff you face. Even if it doesn't work out all the way you want to, guess what? He can be glorified as long as you stay submitted to him. That's the prayer of my heart. And I pray that's the prayer of your life. I want to close. I want to get to our big so what. And uh, we always say, so what? What's the point of this thing? And, and I told you this was a how-to message, but I'm going to end with a why. Gave you some tips on how to pray. But here's the why. It's our big so what, sis. Oop, that's funny. God's character should inspire hopeful expectation. God's character should inspire hopeful expectation. You see, we look at Daniel, you get to the end of chapter 9, and you can look at this in verse number 18. Second half of the verse, he says this. He says, we do not make requests of you, God, because we are righteous. He says, we're not coming to you because we're so good. Like, we've got all the, you know, we said all the right things, and we made the right signs, and you know, whatever, you know. He's not, we don't come to you because we are righteous, but because of your great mercy. That's where our hope is. What do we say? God's character should inspire a hopeful expectation. Why? Because who he is. We're not coming to him like thinking we're going to figure this thing out. No, we come to him because he is good. He is good. And we can have hope because of that. We can believe for greater things because of that. It's because he is a merciful God that we can come expecting mercy. That's who he is. And he's a gracious God. So we come expecting grace. Not grace that we deserve. The grace that we don't deserve. The things that we did nothing to earn. We can expect that because of who he is. He is a loving God. So we expect to receive his love even if we don't deserve it. He is a powerful God. So when you're going through the hard stuff, right? You go through the hard stuff and you don't have enough for it. You go to God. Why? Because you expect he is a powerful God who can actually do something about what I'm going through right now. He can make an impact when I can't. That's the good news of who he is. We can have hope in that. We come to God because he is a faithful God. As it says in scripture, even when I'm not faithful, he is faithful. And so we come to him. It produces hope inside of our hearts. 
for that. And for some of us, man, you just, you lack. There's a provision that you need. We come to him. Why? Because he is Jehovah Jireh, our provider. And wherever you're at, you come with a hopeful expectation because of who he is. And when you're going through the hard stuff, right, and you're like, this isn't fair. This isn't right. This isn't just. You feel like you're not getting it. You come to him and you say, God, you are just. And in the fullness of time, I might not see it with my eyes in the, in the present moment, but God, I know you are just. And you will prove that in time because that is who you are. Okay? See, we come to God. Why do we come in prayer? Because he is a good God who desires great things for our lives, who desires to lead us, to speak to us, to fill us, to walk with us. And if there's no other reason to look at it, you just simply look at the cross of Christ. You say, who is this God that we come to pray to? Is the God who gave his one and only son, who sacrificed himself simply so that we could come to him. He didn't have to do it. It's who he is. And because of who he is, the invitation is to come. Not, you better pray. You people, you need to pray more. No. There's a good God who desires you to know him. To experience the fullness of what's available to you. Would you come? Would you get on the hand? <laughs> Allow me to take you places you've never been before in me. That's his desire for you, all right? I want to pray over us for a moment. God, we thank you so much for your invitation. God, that you invite us to great places. And God, we need that. We need that, Lord Jesus. I pray right now in the depths of our hearts, God, that you would call us into a deeper place in you. God, that we would move from doing the things that are the rituals, the necessities. Instead, it would be coming from an overflow of a heart that's just simply enamored with how good and powerful you are, God. Would you do that in us, Lord? I'm going to invite you to stand with me across the room. I think it would be weird for us to, to preach a message on prayer and not to take a moment to pray. And so we're going to close over the next, we're going to take about five, eight minutes here to pray. All right, so I'm going to ask you not to leave. This is a part of our service here this morning. I want to lead us through the, the three things that I just challenged us with. The first one is that we would pray from a posture of humility. So what we're going to do for a moment is we're going we're gonna to pray prayers. Remember I said it's worship and adoration or prayers of repentance that put us in that posture. But I mentioned this on Wednesday as well, that in Scripture it teaches that a lot of times our physical posture can match what our desire is for God. You know, what are, what are we doing? Well, we, we can dance before God. We can kneel before God. And so what I'm going to challenge you to do is to do something in your physical posture to match the posture of your heart of humility. What does that mean? It's possible you would want to get to your knees for a moment and just bow before God. Maybe you want to just simply put your hands out before God. Maybe you want to put your hands on your heart. I don't know what it is, but I'm going to challenge you for the next minute or two that we're going to respond to God and we're going to approach him with a posture of humility. And so we're going to pray with our mouths, not just with our minds, right now. You don't have to yell out loud. That's fine. But I'm going to challenge you to pray with your mouth, even if it's quietly to yourself. And as a body, we are going to pray prayers of humility and approach him from a posture of humility. All right. If you are here and a guest and don't feel any obligation to engage, that's totally fine. But I invite you just for the next minute or two, can we approach God in humility and on your own right now?
continue in an attitude of prayer. And I just, I'm going to put a scripture on the screen. If you've got your Bibles, you can turn there to Philippians uh, chapter 1. And I'm just going to put this passage on the screen. And I said, let's pray according to God's will. This is a prayer from the Apostle Paul, one of the most powerful prayers, I think, in the New Testament. And I just want you to pray this over your life, over your home, over your family, uh, over just your arena. Um, let's just pray this over ourselves, okay? Let's continue to pray. close with the third thing and I want us to pray for God's glory and here's my challenge to you for the next few moments my guess is all of us have some area of our life that's a challenge like that's difficult that maybe you pray and you ask God a certain way for my challenge to you is in this moment to be bold enough to pray the prayer God above all things God would you be glorified there and if it means that it's through the hard thing God I pray that you would be glorified can we pray that? Pray that over your, man, maybe it's in your marriage. Maybe it's in your personal life. Maybe it's in some other area. Would you pray that prayer? God be glorified in that specific area of my life. across the room. 
just want us to close with that heart. Can we sing the song? We've been singing it the last couple of months, and it just wrecks me every time we sing. We'll just sing it out. Our desire is in everything, Lord, that you would be magnified, you would be glorified. Lord, I pray this week it would go from just something that we say to something that we pray to something that we live, Lord. For your glory, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Before you go this morning, I'm going to invite our prayer team forward to come forward. If you would want somebody to pray with you, uh, please come and receive prayer. But I want to give you a challenge as we go out the door this morning. It's very specific around what we talked about today, and it's simply this. Pray the word this week. Pray the word. For some of you, you're going to have to crack open a Bible because it's been a while. But let's open the word and let's pray. If you don't know where to start, open the book of Psalms and let's allow our prayers to be shaped by God's word. And let's pray his will. Let's pray into what he has spoken and see him move in our lives. All right? We love you guys so much. So grateful for you being here today. Uh, have a great week. We'll see you back next Sunday.